hey, I, I want to tell you a little story, because uh, I haven't really told anybody what really happened yet. I, I'm wearing this sling. I'm going to give you three options, and you can see which one you think is true, A, B, or C. <laughs> a is, on Thursday, I'm driving down 29, and there's a car overturned in a ditch, and there's a, a mother, a pregnant lady underneath the car. The adrenaline kicked in. I ran over, and, and I picked up the SUV and slid her out. In doing so, I ripped something in my arm. Okay, that's A. B is, I was hiking on Thursday. I heard someone screaming, looked over the rocks, and saw someone hanging by a small tree limb. I reached down. Uh, it was a very large man. I, I reached down, and I pulled him up. Even though I feel my arm ripping, I just keep doing it, and he was so grateful for it. <laughs> C, on Thursday, <laughs> I was dismounting from a horse, holding on to the saddle. It didn't have the saddle horn, so I was kind of had this hand underneath of it, stretched out, and kind of slipped when I landed, and I felt a tear from my forearm all the way up my bicep, and I thought, this is not good. So A, B, or C. Any A's out there? <laughs> oh, come on. Okay, we've got one A. Any B's? All right. And C. All right. Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, you know, and then what happened once, it was like I thought I could hear it. I mean, it's like I thought I, I know I couldn't, but it's like I heard it rip. I'm thinking, this is not good. So I get off the, I'm off the horse. I, I throw my jacket off and I, to see, okay, is anything visibly damaged there? The next thing I know, I hear Al say, hey, Steve, come ride my horse. <laughs> I'm going, all right, what do I do? I, no one knows I'm hurt. All right. <laughs> you know, so I was extremely careful getting on the 1,500-pound horse and, and didn't hurt my arm. But then when I got off, I couldn't use this arm, and and, and my foot got stuck in the stirrup, so I'm kind of like hanging there until Grace comes over and says, do you need any help? <laughs> yeah, I could use a little help right now. I can't get out of this thing. So anyhow, uh, I'll find out Thursday just how bad it is. It's all bruised up and stuff. So yeah, that's the story. Um, I'm kind of disappointed. No one believed I saved someone by lifting the car, but uh, there you go. All right. Hey, I need you guys to lean in because I'm about to read some words that were literally breathed by the one true and living God. Uh, words that are true and, and words that will, will lay a foundation for our conversation today. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. So don't worry about these things, saying what we will eat, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. What things dominate your heart, um, your, your thoughts today? But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God uh, above all else. And that word seek means to go after, to pursue, to aim at, to strive after, to crave. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he'll give you everything that you need. Mark chapter 10. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive 100 times as much in the present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields in the age to come, eternal life. And Paul writes this, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
Uh, The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And writing from a jail, Paul writes to the church at Philippi, for me to live is making a lot of money. For me to live is having a lot of stuff. No, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let's read this last one together on the count of three because it's really good. One, two, three. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Heavenly Father, God, we're so grateful to be in your presence. We're so grateful, God, for the, for the simple gospel, Lord, uh, that because of your son, we have life and we can have life to the full. And God, you know each of us, you know where we are in our journeys, you know where we are today, you know exactly what we need to hear. And Holy Spirit, I, I trust you to, to massage the words that I, I will speak today so they'll fit perfectly and that those who have ears will hear what you have to say to them. Uh, God, help me to speak well for you and help, help what happens in here to make a difference out there for the world's good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, let's do this. We're wrapping up our, our three-week series, Come Alive, uh, that we began on Palm Sunday. And by the way, in, in two weeks, we're, we're kicking off a, a brand new series, our third series of the year. Our first series was The End of Me. That was awesome. Uh, the second series was Come Alive. And, and beginning on April the 22nd, right, the day's the 8th, at 14. Okay, that's 22nd. Carry over the one, that's right. Okay, uh, we're beginning a, a brand new series called Understanding the Bible, right? A very practical study. Um, I, I've never really done a study on a Sunday morning about it, but you know, I keep telling everybody to read their Bibles, but the Bible's a pretty intimidating book, and so we're gonna talk about the Bible, principles for understanding the Bible, and it should be a, a really incredible time. Okay, here's the deal. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that, that they may have life and have it to the, have it to the full. Well, why, why did Jesus come? So that you and I could have life and, and have that life to the full. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to have this life and have it to the full? And, and, and do, you, do you believe that this kind of life to the full, is like, is it even possible to have that kind of life? And is it, if it's possible, is it even possible for you? As messed up as you are, right? As so, I mean, you haven't gotten very far along in this journey. Do you believe that it's possible even for you to have life in all its fullness? Now the phrase, um, you know, to the full, is actually one word in Greek, parasos, parasos. Look three people in the eye and say, Parasos. 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 Here's what the word means. Over and above. Yeah, that sounds good. More than is necessary. Exceeding abundantly. 
superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, more eminent, more, more, more remarkable, more excellent. You see what this series is about? It's about you and I having life to the parasos, right? Life to the full, having life over and above, having life that is uncommon, that's surpassing, that's superior, that is extraordinary. And what we discovered on, on Palm Sunday, that, that to have this kind of life, that we need to see Jesus for who he is. We need to see Jesus as a one that is worthy. And remember Mary pouring out that expensive jar of perfume worth a year's wages? Well, we need to see that pouring ourselves out for Jesus, pouring out our time, our talents, our effort, our blood, our sweat, and our tears is worth it. Nothing you ever pour out for Jesus Christ is a waste. Therefore, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor in the Lord, your pouring out for the Lord, is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. We need to see Jesus for who he is, and that he is the promised Savior King. And See, not only was Jesus what the Israelites were waiting for, he's what you're waiting for. He's it. What you're waiting for and longing for, I'm telling you right now, he's it. Jesus is it. He's what you're waiting for. You need to see Jesus, that he's the answer to all your longings. He's the answer to all your desires. And then we saw last week, Easter Sunday, that in order to have a parasite life, in order to come alive, we need to see and savor our salvation. On that first Easter Sunday, Jesus Christ kicked open the wall between us and God, and he opened up three doors. He opened the door of forgiveness, the door of restoration, and the door of hope. Have you walked through the door of forgiveness? And as you walk through it, through it, are you savoring it? Are you savoring it? Are you celebrating it? Are you accepting it? Are you living in it? I am forgiven. I owe nothing. Jesus Christ paid it all, and all to him I owe. There is no condemnation for, for me. I may slip and I may fall, but I am forgiven in Jesus Christ. He paid all the debt. All my sins are forgiven. It is so good to be forgiven that my sins removed as far as the east is from the west. They have the written code against me nailed to the cross because of Christ. Forgiving, do you savor it? And have you walked through the door of restoration? And if so, are you savoring it? Are you savoring the fact that you can be a new creation? Uh, That the image of God can be made in you once again, that he can renew you. Uh, Like the song that we sing, do you savor the fact that the resurrecting king is resurrecting you? Resurrecting you to the life you're created to live, to the person he always meant for you to be. You don't have to be the same old you-know-what. He can be the person that God wants you to be. Do you savor your restoration? And have you walked through the door of hope? And are you savoring it? Like, yeah, it's tough here, but guess what? I'm going home. I'm not staying here. This is not where I'm living. I'm going home. I'm going to this incredible place. And my hope is alive. And when our hope is alive, we even grieve differently, don't we? Paul says we don't grieve like people don't have hope, right? Because we know we're going to see our loved ones in the Lord again. Coming alive in him is about seeing Jesus for who he is, 
It's about savoring. Not just walking through the door. Oh, I'm forgiven. Savoring it. I'm forgiving. I can be who God wants me to be. And I have hope. Because guess what? I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going home. And we'll see this morning, coming live, it's also fueled by striving for his purposes. And I want us to look at today some of the events that went down right after Easter. Starting with a chunk of scripture found in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. You can follow along the screen, open your Bible, Bible app. And before I read that, I'd like to ask you a question. Have you ever been disillusioned? Have you ever expected something from someone or something, but it didn't turn out to be anywhere close to what you hoped for or dreamed of? The vacation turns out to be a bust. <laughs> the new car is a lemon. You know, home becomes your worst nightmare. The new job that seems so promising, just another dead end. And that relationship, well, it's not going as you hoped. See, disillusionment is not fun. In Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13, we meet two guys who are very disappointed and very disillusioned about life and with Jesus. We read, now that same day, that would be Resurrection Sunday, probably late after, late morning or mid-afternoon. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Bro, this stinks. I, I, I can't believe what happened. I mean, it, it all looked so good, so awesome. I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. All I know is I'm tired of hoping for things and having my hope ripped to shreds. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, and they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, I love this, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Like he didn't know, right? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? <laughs> what things? I love it. Jesus is fun. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people, the chief priests and all our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it's the third day since all this took place. Like I said, they were disillusioned. They were discouraged. They were, they were disappointed. You know, we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who would finally redeem Israel. And remember, I, I said on Palm Sunday that Jesus was the Messiah predicted by the prophets, but not the Messiah expected or wanted by the, by the people. We had hoped that Rome would be destroyed, but now Jesus is dead and Rome still occupies our nation, and it's been three days. See, the Jews believe in three days, the Spirit left the body for good. It ain't coming back, doors locked, you're not coming back. That's why when Lazarus was raised after four days, it blew people's minds. Though things did not turn out as they expected or hoped, therefore they were disillusioned and discouraged. You ever been there? 
disillusioned, discouraged? Are you there now? And have you ever been disillusioned and discouraged with Jesus? Disillusioned and discouraged maybe in your ministry to and for Jesus. I'd raise this one too, but I can't. In addition, some of our women amazed us. Amen. Women are amazing, right? Anybody agree with that? Come on, guys. You better be whooping and hollering. Uh, They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, you know, Peter and John, and and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. I mean, are you tracking with me, right? What these guys are saying. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning from Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I wish they had a podcast for that, right? As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning in us? Why talked with us on the road and opened up the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. You know, this week as I was reading the events that took place after Easter, not just Luke 24, but Mark 16, Matthew 28, John 20 and 21. Like two words just jumped out at me, two words that are essential if you and I are, are to come alive and are to live a life that is striving for his purposes. And those two words are believe and, and go. See, there's, there, there's no doubt that Jesus wanted his guys to to go into all the world and, and preach the gospel. I mean, his, his mission was complete. That Their mission had just begun. And listen, if they did not go, it was game over. Jesus did not have a plan B. It was his guys or else it was lights out for the entire world. And, and here's the deal, and this is so important. Before they would or ever could go effectively... They had to believe. And as you probably know, believe was not going so well immediately after the resurrection. Luke writes about the women coming back from the empty tomb, all pumped up and all excited, with incredible good news that the tomb is empty and an angel said that Jesus is alive. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day be raised again. So they ran back to tell the the eleven. Bet the eleven would be excited. Woohoo! But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. And then later that afternoon, Jesus is talking with these two guys on the road to Emmaus. And they're telling him about about his death and about how disappointed they were with how things went down. They even told Jesus about the women seeing the empty tomb and getting the message from the angel. 
We had hoped. Yeah, we know the tomb's empty. We know some angels came and said that Jesus is alive, but we had hoped that he was the one. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. I wonder, listen, I wonder if there's anything that we, that you, that I are slow of heart to believe. Maybe you're slow of heart to believe that you're really forgiven. And you're still trying to earn it. You're still trying to deserve it. Maybe you're slow of heart to believe that you really could be restored. That you really could be different. That you really could be better. That you really could rise above your your habits and your hang-ups and your hurts. Now later that same night, Jesus finds his guys behind locked doors. They're eating dinner. And Mark tells us that Jesus rebuked them for the lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And Luke tells us a little bit more about that conversation, that initial Easter conversation, Easter night. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? In other words, if you're troubled, if doubts rise in your minds, then you obviously do not believe. You know, maybe Jesus would say the same thing to some of us this morning. Why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? Why do doubts, why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe, huh? it's because of joy and amazement, he asked them. Sounds kind of crazy, right? Like, like when I read that, it's like, how does joy and amazement and not believing go together? Well, you know what it is? We, we would say, it just seems too good to be true. Right? You know what? I've sinned so much since my initial salvation and it seems too good to be true that I'm forgiven every time, right? I mean, the gospel, it just seems too good to be true. Could it really be that true? I mean, is God really that good? Is he really that forgiving? Is he really that loving? Does he really care about me that much? Has he really chosen me? I mean, the gospel is just, it just seems so good to be true. Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took some and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is, what, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened up their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Come on, guys, you've seen me. You've seen me. You've touched me. And, and, and now I've opened up your minds to the scriptures. Believe. And one week later, we see this topic of believing at the forefront once again. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, which means twin, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. What a day to stay home and wash your car instead of going to church, right? I mean, seriously. So the disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. By the way, do you have an unless? Unless Jesus does this, 
Unless he performs this, unless, unless this, then, then, you know, unless he does this, I won't believe. A week later, that was a long week for Thomas. His disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. I love, he's just like zapping in, man. Boom. And he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. And he said, Thomas said, Jesus said to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Would you gently look three people in the eye and just say, stop doubting and believe? Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen him and blessed are those who have maybe not seen him do what they expected or hoped and yet still believe. John says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That believing equals having life in his name. Jesus is alive and the tomb is empty. But listen, even though he was alive, even though the resurrection changes everything, it would do them no good unless they believed. Understand, until they believed, Jesus' resurrection, as far as they were concerned, was completely useless. It made no difference in their lives. I mean, he's alive, the debt is paid, the victory is won, yet two guys from Emmaus were still depressed, disappointed, and disillusioned, headed in the wrong direction, walking away from their hopes and their dreams. The 11 were, he's alive, but yet the 11 were still afraid, worried, confused, hopeless, hiding behind locked doors. And Thomas, though Jesus was alive, was still held back by his doubts and refusal to believe Unable to celebrate and rejoice over the risen Lord. And here's the deal. If we don't believe, really believe, it's game over. (laughs) Or rather, it's the game never even got started in our life. Get it? Good. There there was a movie that came out in 1985, remade in 2011. uh, Kind of a goofy movie. I I didn't see the remake. Uh, I saw the original. uh, called Fright Night. Um, the original had Roddy McDowell, and it's about a, a kid who finds out his next-door neighbor is a vampire, you know, kind of disturbing for him. And, and he wants to destroy this vampire, so he contacts Roddy McDowell, the character, who played a vampire slayer in movies. And obviously, he doesn't know how to slay a real vampire. And there's a scene in the movie, I never forgot, where the vampire's at the top of the stage, at the top of the stairs, and Ryan McDowell has this cross, and he's walking up with the cross, and the, the vampire dude grabs the cross and ah! acts like it's getting him, and then he laughs. <laughs> and Ryan McDowell has this fright night look on him, <laughs> and and, he's, and the vampire says, "It only works if you believe." You see, the resurrection only works if we believe. Yeah, it changes everything, our past, our present, our future, and it opens up 
these doors of forgiveness, restoration, and hope, but only if we believe. For years, I've been haunted by the sobering truth that the biggest problem in my life, in the life of nearly every Jesus follower, and in the church, is that we do not really believe. Think about it. I mean, how else, how else do you explain our own Emmaus Road moments? Uh, those times when we walk away from Jesus, the church, our faith, our hopes, our dreams, uh, away from the abundant life Jesus has for us, disillusioned and disappointed because Jesus did not do what we hoped he would do or expected him to do. I mean, how else do we explain how we, like the 11 disciples, find ourselves locked behind doors and windows, afraid what might happen if we actually stepped out and started living that end-of-me, radical, countercultural, upside-down life that Jesus has called us to live? How else do we explain times when, like Thomas, because we're not where we're supposed to be with God's people, or even we're there our body's there, but our hearts and minds aren't. Therefore, we kind of find it hard. God, why are these people celebrating so excited? <laughs> See, he's alive and the tomb is empty, but it only works if we believe. And if we're to come alive and strive for his purposes, we need to believe. Believe what? Believe that he is alive and the tomb is empty. Believe that Jesus is who he said he is, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, our Savior King. Uh, believe that Jesus did what he said he did, that, that, that he defeated death, sin, and the grave, not only for himself, but for us. But we need to believe that the resurrection really does change everything, that it changes our past, our present, or future, and it opens up the door to hope, forgiveness, and restoration. We need to believe that he really does have all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, no matter what's going on in our lives or our world, he's always, always, always in control. We, we need to believe that Jesus really is preparing a place for us and that one day he will take us so that we can be where he is forever. Uh, we need to believe that even if we do like Peter did, we deny him and we mess up, that if we repent, we can be restored. We need to believe that Jesus is always with us and that he will never leave or forsake us. Uh, we need to believe that the God of the universe has thoughts plans and intentions for our lives, and that these thoughts, plans, and intentions are for our good, to give us a hope and a future. Uh, we need to believe that Jesus really has made life in all its fullness, parasos, to every one of us, and that includes you. We, we need to really believe, uh, that's why I love this line so much in the song, that the resurrecting king he's resurrecting us, that he's rising us up from the ashes of this world to live a new life. Uh, we need to really believe that we are God's masterpiece, his work of art, and, and that he really has created us anew in Christ Jesus to do these things that he planned before we were even born that we would do. And we can do them because we were created to do them. We need to believe that everybody's going to spend forever somewhere and that God has called us to redirect as many eternities as possible back home to him. Uh, we need to believe that despite wherever you find yourself at this very moment, that God is not done with you, that he still wants to partner with you to create a new you and to take that new you into this broken world and shine for him.
and for its glory. We need to believe that all things are possible for the one who believes. We need to believe that if we have faith even as small as a mustard seed, we can say to that mountain, be tossed in the sea, and it will be. You know, I, I don't know about you, but when I hear those awesome truths of what I need to believe and, and the power of my belief, I, I find myself saying the same thing a dad said in Mark chapter 9. I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. See, if we want to come alive, we need to strive for his purposes. And to do that, we need to believe. And then we need to, we need to go. We need to go. You see, once Jesus knew his guys got it and they believed, he knew it was time for them to be given the divine, the divine go. And we read in Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, Jesus telling his guys, hey, go. Luke 24, verse 46, he told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what the Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. John 20, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Matthew 28, then he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. How do you do that? Well, the Jesus way is by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. In Acts 1, I said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority. In other words, don't get all caught up in trying to predict when he's coming back. It's none ya. None your business, right? None ya. But you'll see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, striving for his purposes. It's about, it's about you need to believe and you need to go and be on mission for him. In August of 1980, I was 20 years old and I just finished two years of schooling in the Navy nuclear power program and I was reporting to my first submarine, the USS Woodrow Wilson, SSBN 624. I, I, I was on the blue crew, the best crew, and the gold crew was underway so I reported to the off-crew offices and as soon as I got there, uh, Captain Moore uh, called me into his office, right? And here's a picture of Captain Moore. Um, that's not the best picture of Captain Moore. He's got his eyes closed. That's me there on the right. Uh, I just received my dolphins um, on my first patrol. But uh, when I met him, like, he, he brought me and said, man, you know, I'm so glad to have you on board. And, 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 but he said, now that you're part of the crew, you need to understand your mission. You know, he said, it's a matter of national security. And they went on to tell me the role that a fleet ballistic missile submarine plays in our national security. And like I tell you, I, I, I was like overwhelmed, but thinking, hey, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm a part of something pretty important, you know. Uh, and now for the first 20 years of my life, that mission meant nothing to me, right? You know, because I wasn't part of the crew. But, but once I became part of the crew, then their mission became 
my mission. Now, about six months earlier, I signed up for another mission. In December of 1979, I surrendered my life to Jesus as I was baptized for the forgiveness of my sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, a, a, a bigger and better mission became my mission, right? You know, the, the mission to tell people about Jesus. Now, 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 if you're a Jesus follower, imagine with me, right, go back to that day. Go back to that time when you surrendered your life to Jesus. And, and, and imagine Jesus sending you a text and say, hey, can we have coffee? And you're like freaking out, like this is not the commander of the submarine, this is commander of the universe, right? You know, but Jesus makes you feel at ease rather quickly. And here's a picture of Jesus. Where'd he go? He just pops in and out, right? And the reason I stick a picture of Jesus, you know, because sometimes that can help you. You know, one of the reasons I'm a pastor is because I went to a conference in 1987 just to be a sponsor, ready to re-up in the Navy, and there was a picture of Jesus staring at me in the entire conference. Like, everywhere I went, there he is, there he is. Okay, where's this? It's, and it made a difference. But, but imagine you're sitting with Jesus, right? You just surrender. He says, man, I, I, I'm so excited that you made a decision to be my follower. Welcome aboard. Man, I got to tell you, I, I was getting a little bit antsy, you know, waiting for you to make this decision. It's always so hard for me to wait to be involved in somebody's life. And I want you to know that you are totally, completely forgiven. Your past is gone. It's deleted. And, and I want you to know that, that I'm going to be with you to help you live the life that I created you to live. And... and Listen, I'm coming back real soon to, to take you home to be with me. But until then, I, I want you to understand what I want you to do. I want you to tell other people about me, about who I am. I, I want you to tell them about how much I love them. I want you to tell them what I did for them and what I, what I want to do through them. There are so many people who need to know what you know. There are so many hurting and broken people that need to know that there's a God who loves them, who values them, who has chosen them, who wants to be with them forever. And I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you to tell them. Because you're, you're one of mine now. You're part of my crew. I'll be seeing you soon. Stay strong. Stay focused. Be faithful. And remember, I'll be with you always to the very end of the ages. Amen. You see, our greatest task, the life mission of a Jesus follower, is to tell people the good news of God's amazing grace and how they can find new life in Jesus. There is no higher purpose. There is no higher purpose. There is no higher purpose. It's what we're going to do here until we go there. Get it? Good. I mean, we've been given an opportunity of a lifetime. 
an opportunity to do something better, something eternal, something that will outlast time, something that will redirect the eternities of lost men and women, something that will help change the world one life at a time, creating a new future. No, life does not get any bigger or better than that. Amen? And during the last 2,000 years, when men and women heard of this opportunity and they understood it, they devoted their hearts to it. They sacrificed their possessions for it. They sacrificed their careers for it. They sacrificed their homes for it. They changed the way they lived because of it. They lived for it and they died for it and they did it with joy. They did it laughing and weeping and dancing, totally blown away that they had an opportunity to partner with the creator of the universe. And in doing so, you know what they found? They found that seeking God's kingdom above all, they found that seeking God's kingdom above all else really does give you everything that you need. They found that to live really is Christ. They found that they received 100 times as much in the present age than what they gave up. And they found the inexpressible joy of living as God's masterpiece, doing the good works he planned for them to do. And the central agreement to coming alive in him is striving for his purposes, to believe and go. And listen, here's the deal. Unless we believe, we will not really go. And if we're not really going, guess what? We don't really believe. You need to think about that. I need to think about that. Uh, Because we're talking about eternal destinies and ultimate truth. Okay, let's wrap this thing up, and hopefully some of us will take it home. We're, we're, We're seriously about done. But, you know, I got a hurt arm, so listen. I'll show you a picture of my bad bruise. You should listen to me. I'm up here in pain. No, I'm kidding. It's all fine. I'm just messed up. All right. Here we go. Listen. Brothers and sisters, we've been given a choice. An opportunity to make a big difference in a broken world. What if we did? What if we believed? What if we said yes to the divine go? What if we rocked this world with hope? What if we infiltrate all of its corners with God's love and with life? What if we leverage all of our resources and talents for the good of the world and for the sake of the kingdom? What if we really made God's kingdom our primary concern? I mean, what if God's kingdom really drove everything we did and did not do? What if we were more a follower of Jesus than a fan of Jesus? What if redirecting the eternities of lost people by the simple gospel really, really consumed us? What if we really walked through the doors of hope and forgiveness and, and restoration and savored them? What if we really saw Jesus for who he really is? As someone who's worthy of everything, as someone who is the thing. And what if we really strive for his purposes by believing and going? What if, what if we lived a life that outlived our life? 
not just there, but outlived their life here. I think if we did, we would know what it's like to come alive. Parasos in him. Would you stand and pray with me? God, we love you. And God, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to be in your house. And God, that you would choose us, that you would allow us to be on your crew, that you would entrust the gospel to us. God, I pray that we come alive in you, that we see you for who you are, God, that we savor your salvation, God, that we, we strive for your purposes. And God, thank you for taking our lives, Lord. All our, our lives at one time were just broken. We're just broken vessels, Lord, and your amazing grace came in and filled us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.